I disagree with you, Thomas. I think we need to pr- try to take it to the next level and do flash mob programming. <laughs> just like <laughs> in the middle of like a mall, all these people with laptops just go to the middle of the mall and just start coding. Welcome to PHP Ugly episode 98. I'm John Congdon. With me, as always, is Eric Van Johnson. Hey, Eric. Hello. Hello. Hey. And Tom right out. Oh, you're muted, Tom. Way to start the show off. <laughs> Jesus, killed it. Hi. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Professionalism right there. I'll fix that in editing. I won't fix it in editing. <laughs> I don't really edit anything. <laughs> oh, way to go. How are How's you guys everybody doing? doing? I'm doing great. I burned the shit out of my hand. I'll just do that. Let me guess. 3D no, printer. Let me guess. Wait, let, let me guess. Printer. Does it involve does it involve a 3D printer? Yeah. <laughs> Everything involves a 3D printer anymore. It's so I got a cheap 3D printer and I'm trying to make my prints come out perfect, which I mean, it's too cheap to do that. So my my prints all come out good enough, and now I'm spending all of my days tuning wall thickness and flow rates and bed temperatures and trying to just get that last little millimeter perfection out of it. I was going to say, it can't be perfection when you're posting to Reddit asking for help because you can't get something printing. Well, I got it printed. The the question I posted to Reddit was... uh, why is the text on this thing separating the way it does? It's got these little gaps between some of the outlining <laughs> versus some of the fill. And uh, did you get to figure it out? Yeah, I, I no. Oh. I, I did. I did uh, put on my newly printed X belt tensioner, which did resolve some of the unevenness issues. Um, but now I'm looking at uh, improving my bed leveling. Improving my extruder nozzle, possibly getting Always, a Boris Everybody should have a better bed. extruder nozzle. <laughs> it's nice because all the all the upgrade all the upgrade parts cost like between five and twenty dollars, so it's not too expensive. It's just that my printer is very quickly becoming a different printer than the one that I bought. Like I, I started listing off the uh, improvements I've made to my printer since I got it what a week ago two weeks ago <laughs> it hasn't been that long yeah and it's it's only about 88 percent of the original printer that i bought at this point so so how the, this... the big question is if you were to do it again would you have bought the the cheap printer or would you have gone uh-huh yeah yes you would so you, have, you printer... haven't learned your lesson that's what you're saying <laughs> the cheap printer is good enough to print higher quality parts than it itself is made of so it's just a, a process. If I were to do the whole thing over again, I would at least have the list of things to do from the beginning at this point. But I would totally, I would totally do the, the same thing all over again. So how much does the PLA cost to, to make stuff? So I've got a one kilogram roll that was about 22 bucks total. And it's considered a, an average quality brand and from what i've read 
I could make like 200 of these bookmarks or so with it. So that's, it's somewhat economical. The, the slicer, the program that generates the code for the printer to, to actually print, you can put in your cost per roll and the weight and the length, and it will calculate how much each part you print out costs you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's got a lot of nice features. <clears throat> It'll tell you how long it's going to take it to print. It'll tell you how much it costs to print it and all that kind of stuff. All right, we need to move off of 3D printing because you, you could talk about it all day. It's never, never going to happen. <laughs> Eric, I missed a, uh, a SDPHP meetup last night. How did that go? Ah, it didn't miss you. No, it came out meaner than you intended. <laughs> it went well. Uh, another another big turnout, um, which was nice. Well, it was nice for a couple reasons. One, it wasn't on our normal normal day. It was a week ahead of schedule, which was actually only three weeks since or two, two weeks. weeks since our last meetup. Yeah, two yeah, weeks. two weeks since since our last meetup. Uh, another big turnout. I think there was around twenty five. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more than twenty-five people there. Uh, Dave Stokes, uh, w- which if you've been doing PHP development for longer than a week, you you would probably know Dave Stokes is the community manager at MySQL. He was in town. He's going up to Pasadena this weekend for Scale, um, which is the Southern California Linux Expo. And uh, he he was swinging by, swinging through San Diego, gave us a ring and said, "Hey, you know, can I come by and do a talk?" I said, "Yep, sure." That's why we had it on a different day. So he swung in and did a, did a talk on MySQL 8. Probably the most interaction we've had with the group, uh, like like the most questions ever asked of a presenter was uh, of my uh, of this talk last night. Dave was just getting, you know, hammered with question after question, which is good. I mean, we, uh, you know, it, it was great. Everybody was very engaged in the talk, had a lot, had a lot of uh, uh, questions about it. And it, it was good. It was nice to, it's nice. It's nice to see the group getting big again. We, um, we did the whole, it, it was weird. It was like a little mini conference because we started the night at, at with a, test-driven development workshop that ran about two hours and then uh another one of our members did a talk on uh view which uh he's been doing like every every meetup and then you know that went for about 15 20 minutes then dave did his talk on mysql 8 so it was it was a nice little range of discussions and it was good fantastic so do you think we need to consider moving away from the second wednesday Based on the last two meetups, moving either to, either to the first or third. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, nobody said anything. Oh, that's the other weird thing. Uh, you might not know about this, John and and Thomas. I doubt you knew about it. So not only had we moved days, but we had a major gas leak. Mm-hmm. Like this main. I definitely know about that. Oh, ha- did you hear about this? This main gas leak. Three, went three out. hours. Three hours after that happened, it happened in in Colorado Springs too. Oh really? Oh, same bizarre. exact thing. <laughs> Anyways, traffic everywhere around where the meetup was was gridlock. I mean, northbound was okay. So for the people who were coming north, it was all right. Southbound, forget about it. Everything was just a, it was just a big parking lot in San Diego last night. 
Yeah, so Jackie and I took a trip out of town yesterday. That's why I didn't make the meetup. And as I'm traveling down the 56 to get to the 5, which is the main highway to go north-south in uh, San Diego, actually all the way up California, um, there was a one of those signs saying that the 163 was closed like the at the 5. And I was like, that's weird. I wonder what's going on. We get up to San Clemente, which is about... 45 minutes north of us and I happened to turn on the news in the hotel room and saw that it was that gas leak. I was like, ah, oh, that answers that. <laughs> At least now I know what's going on. Yeah, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So, um, but yeah, no, the so meetup was great. I'm not dealing with that anymore. <laughs> you, you don't have traffic in Colorado? Nope. Really? That's surprising. Yeah, not at all. You didn't have They're traffic have in other, San Diego. We have other stuff that's just way more bizarre though. So, you know how when your car breaks down, you're supposed to not be in the freeway? Like, pull over? Mm-hmm. People don't do that here. Oh. <laughs> this is... Whatever... Middle of the freeway... Whatever lane it is, where, uh, they just, they, where, they're just yeah, there. <laughs> wherever a problem occurs, the car is stopped there, and they begin working on it in the middle of the road. <laughs> it is the craziest thing I've ever seen, and I've seen it at least ten times now. Mm-hmm. And, like, a guy changing a tire in the middle of the road at rush hour on the freeway. You're like, hey, you probably shouldn't. But then, like, the cop pulls up behind him, hops out, starts helping him with the tire. <laughs> I, I guess that's just what they do here. <laughs> that does you're not coming, seem coming safe. to San Diego, huh? Thomas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 16 days. Yeah. Yeah, we got to figure that out, John. Yeah, we have to. I think. I think it's where uh, you guys are going to be. I think it's. We, we need to coordinate a, a a way for all three of us to get together and record for our one hundredth, one hundred episodes. Can you believe it? Yeah, I'm not going to have my gear there, so you guys are going to have to have an extra mic set up for me. I actually do have. Yeah. An extra, I actually do have an extra one. Yeah, I believe. Yep, I think I do. So we might be able to make that happen. Yeah, we I'm excited. How was your trip, John? You said you were out of town? It was great. Went up and visited a client. Uh, just happened to have another developer coming through town. So we uh, we all met up. There was eight of us. Went to, went to dinner. And then afterwards, my wife and I kind of went out downtown in San Clemente. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Don't need to know everything. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Keep going, John. <laughs> it was, it was, Hold on. It, let me get comfortable. <laughs> it, it was great. Her mom watched our kids, so we had a, our, you know, a nice time away. Went to a nice little wine bar afterwards. Then went to a karaoke bar after that. It was a good evening. Oh, things got crazy. We were out cool. late. We had I had something totally weird happen. So we have our meetups on Wednesday, but as we've discussed in the past, every Thursday John and I do a co-working thing where. People can come and come to the crepe shop John and I are at and work with us. Ninety percent of the time, it's Diego Dev people. You know, it's our kind of our our time to work together as a team. But anybody's welcome. Obviously, John wasn't there this morning, and I'm sitting there coding. And a Diego Dev developer walks in, but it's our Diego Dev developer from up in Berkeley. And I'm like, "Holy smokes, dude! What are you doing here?" And it turns out his wife his wife had gotten a 
job uh, or is transferring jobs. She's it's, she's working for the same company, but she's transferring jobs down to L.A. and they'd come down to L.A. check the place out, look for some apartments, and he figured since he was down here, he'd drive down a little further and uh, do uh, co work with us Thursday morning. So that was cool. I was shocked that he didn't uh, go last night to the meetup. Uh, he he couldn't get down here, so he he was trying to, but he he, he couldn't make it down uh, last night. Gotcha. Something about traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Southbound traffic was all, <laughs> backed up all the way to L.A. <laughs> but that was cool. It was good to see him. He's a good guy. I like I like, uh, I like talking with him. Yeah, well, he'll be closer now. He'll make it more often. Yeah. What have you guys been up to this week? Anything fun? Working on anything exciting? No, I, I, my dad's still in town, so my work schedule's been all sorts of out of whack. Thrown mm-hmm. to that the trip yesterday. So I'm looking forward to getting back to normal here in a week. Huh. I had a, I had a, an interview with Google. Really? How'd that go? Yeah. It wasn't like an employment interview. Oh. It was, it was a, user, a user survey. Oh. Okay. But uh, I got I got connected with a UX engineer, and she she called me up on Hangouts, and we chatted for about an hour, and I uh, got to comment about all the UX decisions that I absolutely hate. <laughs> and in, in, I think she was a, being nice. She said it was product? very helpful. I I'm, I can't actually talk about it. I did sign an NDA. Oh. Nice. Nothing interesting. It, it's fun to be a part of that kind of stuff. Way back in, what was it, 2005, Google Checkout, when that came out. Uh, the company I worked for at the time was one of the first to implement Google Checkout on their website. And Google ended up bringing out, like, I think it was 11 companies, and I got to represent BowlingBall.com at the time. So it, they flew us out to Mountain View and got to go be a part of a couple of panels and it's it's really interesting interesting to be a part of that yeah you know it's a lot of the stuff you sort of figure is designed by committee mm-hmm. and i i got the <clears> feeling <throat> from the response to many of my statements that there just wasn't anything they were going to do about the thing i didn't like uh but i did i did you know i love ux stuff i got to throw in my two cents maybe they'll take some of what i said uh for for actual value you you say that that reminds me i tweeted out i think it was this week maybe late last week i hate meetup.com's new interface and there there was a bug where their their calendar was showing the the meetup would show the proper text time but then their little calendar icon to the left showed a different day and that's confusing to you know our members first of all i i would be very confused but that's that's not too bad it's not like they're organizing anything on a date specific (laughs) and i mean i've hated this new layout since they went live with it they if you are part of meetup they allowed you to check it out before they made it live for everybody and i did that absolutely hated it i still hate so many of the things they've done and i switched back to the old one and then they still had to push it forward, designed by committee. You know, they decided, nope, we spent time doing this, so we're going to make it live. And it is just horrible. On top of that, you get their 
Twitter customer service people that, you know, they replied to my first tweet and seemed caring. And I replied to them saying more in depth of what was going on and got a very generic response back. And I was like, oh my God, just stop. Don't even try. (laughs) I'd rather you not tweet back to me if you're, if it's automated or you didn't read what I wrote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had Comcast give me a, uh, please take this tweet down tweet. (laughs) Oh, really? Really? Yeah. What did you tweet that that they, uh, they did that? Um, that their service was a dumpster fire. They were unable to organize their own technicians and couldn't give me an ETA for my internet being back up without me logging (laughs) into their system through the internet. I hope you didn't take it down. No, they said, they said, oh, we're so sorry to hear about this. Please contact support at this number, which was the number that I had stated clearly was not the correct number. <laughs> so, but speaking of design by committee, have you guys heard of mob programming? Yes. No. We, had somebody, we had somebody talk about it at the meetup, Eric, yeah. so you can't say no. I, I can say no. I'm You're getting, not my dad. <laughs> I'm getting so sick of these stupid co-working methods that aren't what they're supposed to be what's mob programming you know what you know what pair programming is right yes two people fan of pair programming yes yeah it's that but with three people (laughs) or more oh (laughs) it's literally a mob of people you have everybody in there giving their two cents Everybody's just like standing around laptops telling, telling no, you have, what, what to type. No, yeah, laptop. One one Singular. device, one person driving, and everybody else just talking. Yeah, three or more people uh, <laughs> getting together at some agreed upon point. So, like calling a meeting to to go to the meeting room and sit together. And I swear to God, if I was in charge of a company and somebody said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we had a great mob." we had a great mob programming session, I would fire my software architect. <laughs> because if you need a mob programming session, then the architecture has failed somewhere. Because that's all that they talk about doing. All they talk about is working together on a solution and and coding together to get the best possible. That's architecture. That's They're talking about not the grunt work of coding, but the part that should have been done for them before this came up in the first place. And it's one laptop and five people. That is so stupid. That is so, I I understand that Silicon Valley people have more money than sense, but this is so dumb. No, I I disagree with you, Thomas. I think we need to try to take it to the next level and do flash mob programming. (laughs) Just like <laughs> in the middle of like a mall, just, all these people with laptops just go to the middle of the mall and just start coding. Just doing the Macarena and typing. Or, or so, better yet, better yet, you get you get a bunch of your developer friends together and you go to like startups and just start hovering around developers' tables and telling them how to code. There's actually programming. There, there's actually a new meetup here in San Diego that just launched called Mob Programming. Oh, I'm sure that'll go great. <clears throat> part of me, part of me is wondering, yeah. is it like a startup trying to get their product built so they're like, "Hey, come learn mob programming," and here's the, here's, <laughs> exactly. here's the project that, we're going to work brilliant. on. Yeah, this will be so much fun. All you guys will do this for free, and you'll build this thing. It'll be great. Yep. 
And there's going to be the one person there who's got 25 years of experience sitting in the back of the room just muttering to himself, you're all a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> you, you, just, you just successfully impl- implemented the wrong thing for every use case. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's programming by committee. What a terrible concept. So you, you obviously don't like mod programming. What's your view of pair programming? I don't find a use for it. Really? You, you don't find a use for pair programming? No. But I work in a very peculiar way. I work in, like, spurts of inspiration. So, for me, if it's a boring project, I can make it take the whole workday. <laughs> but if it's, if it's, like, something... If there's something cool that I want to work on, but- then... I will burn. I will burn like like a firework on that. But, that, but, that, like, but that's not that's not the point. I mean, the the point is exposing yourself to other solutions, other methods. I mean, that's what I love about pair programming is that's how you get diseases. When when I'm coding with somebody and I see how how they approach a problem, and then I talk maybe I talk through what my solution would be, and I, I like it. I mean, otherwise you end up in the silo silo and you start developing bad practices and i don't know i i, I like pair programming just it's it's refreshing I, I literally watch people code online like there, there used to there used to be a really good uh live coding uh stream but they, they've gone where you've got to pay now but i i used to sit there and just watch people <laughs> watch people code because i just i enjoy it i enjoy watching how people tackle problems and I don't know. Maybe that's that's. I have issues. I, I don't know what to tell you. No, I I agree. Well, you, and you also get the benefit of having somebody somewhat check in your work, right? Making just two sets of eyes versus versus waiting till you get stuck in a corner and having somebody come in. But it's been like ten years since I've had a problem where I was stuck on it, and then I just went to somebody and rubber ducked it with them, and then went back to work. It, like I don't, I don't. It's not. I, I, it's not about that. Yeah, I, I mean, like for me, especially if it's developers you work with day in and day out, it, it almost helps you harmonize your workflow, and you really get a sense of how people work and solve problems. And I don't know. I, I think yeah. you're missing out, Thomas. You should give it a give it a try. T- Ted, I work from home. Ted Nugent in the chat room brings up a good point. It's also great for mentoring. So yeah, totally. We don't have any junior developers working with us right now, but that's a good point. Here's here's how bad the mob programming thing is, though. They have three rules. At any time, one person is the driver. Number two, everyone else is the navigator. Could you imagine being in a bus where the rest of the bus decided they were all the navigator? <laughs> yeah. And of course, rule three: everyone swaps roles often. I, I, it just sounds like such a. And of course, it's an article on Medium that I'm reading. I did mob programming every day for five months. Here's what I learned. <laughs> what did they learn? What? And they they didn't learn the past tense of learn. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a grammar class. It was a mob programming thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the the past possessive. <laughs> So I did something this week that I'm actually feeling pretty good about. Um, in the latest uh, magazine for PHP Architect magazine, uh, one of their, Eric Mann, did, did an article on signing commits. 
and I hadn't realized, and I, I do think I, when I had read the article, I realized that I, I, I kind of had known that, but I had totally forgotten that you can, you can manipulate commit commits to make it look like commits were done by other people. Um, there's a way to do that. If yeah, it's commi- really easy. If commits aren't signed. So now with sign, when you sign your commit, it, it kind of gives that stamp of approval of, yeah, this was actually committed by this person. Um, so I did that. I did that this week. And I, that was pretty painless. I, uh, I thought that was cool. So do you have to do it every time you commit or is it, it automated now? It's all, it's automated now. So I had to, I upload my, my public key, my public, um, GPG, is it? Yeah. GBG, GBG yeah, key to, uh, GitHub. But yeah, when I do my commits, it, it's all, it's automated. It just automatically signs it. You have to make some changes to your Git global config to do that. And yeah, I don't even think about it. It just does it now. Yeah, I'm totally going to do this. I, I think you can yeah. enforce uh, that in your in your config, yeah, in, in Git the configs. Configs in GitHub. It says it mm-hmm. has to be signed. Yeah, yeah, the commits have to be signed. We 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 don't have that enabled, obviously, because not everybody's doing it. But yes, you, that is a setting there that you can check. It's just a checkbox now. Huh, that's funny. I do have I do have my GPG key there already. So I wonder if it's automatically signed. Yeah, I signed. have one there too. You have another GitHub article here. I put the I put the fire to you guys for putting tickets on Trello, and you, Eric, you came through. Notice he said I only put did. like two or three up there. <laughs> yeah, th- this this article came up, and, and it actually sparked kind of uh, uh, a line of of topics that that I've come across over last week or two, but it's talking about. Um, well, so the the article that that I posted specifically to the board was about why why you shouldn't use GitHub when you're hiring somebody. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't use that as a metric of whether or not they're a good good developer by how much what their GitHub profile looks like. Um, and I heard something similar about that around open source too, um, which is well, I've been I've been saying that for years that. It's weird that people okay. think that someone will look at their GitHub to to hire them because. So explain to me why you think that and, and why why it's a bad bad idea because I, I where I don't think it would be the only metric I would ever use to hire somebody I I don't see why it's a bad one to take in consideration so t- explain I, to me I your agree. your thought on this because for fifteen years before I took over Iron uh, MQ from Laravel Collective, I had nothing to submit to GitHub whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All of my work is private. All of my work is closed. But that was for that was a choice you made not to contribute to open source. No, it's because I'm gainfully employed. Yeah. But And I, I and I work and I work exempt status, so I'm working more than my allotted, you know, daily hours already. And and then when you start looking at somebody's GitHub the the first thing that everyone assumes is oh the contribution chart that's what everyone's looking at mm-hmm. the, the contribution chart brings nothing to the table it just says that you've managed to commit at some regular interval it doesn't say that your code is any good or that you work well with if, other if somebody's using that anything. chart to hire you then they're idiots to begin with the whole point is if you have code out there 
I now have a sense of your coding style. Or if I if I go to the next step and look at where you've uh, had conversation and I see you're a dick to open source maintainers, I'm not going to hire you. You know, so there yeah. there there I, are I, I things to be I mean... there are things to be gleaned from it, but it's not the only like Eric said, it's not the only metric I would use to hire somebody. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say a headhunter going out and looking at a GitHub profile and seeing how much green is on a GitHub profile before submitting somebody's resume to a client is BS. But skilled developers like myself and John going on to a potential person's GitHub profile, finding projects that they worked on and looking at their code, I, I think gives us feedback, like John said, on the type of developer that they are. That they are. Sure, maybe maybe the comments and the the interaction with other users, but the code itself, I wouldn't even say is that good of a metric because so much open source code is just shovelware type well, stuff. Then, then it's like, API it's, implementations. It's like a bullshit and... conversation then, because then you can never prove to me anything, right? It's like when how could I ever see any any code? How could I judge you on any work if if you're going to make that statement? I mean, it's, it's did gotta, you it's ever did something. you expect more from me? Huh? Did you expect more from me? Because no, that was your actually, mistake. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my my flaw there. I'm sorry, but yeah. No, well, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking up the talking points of this article, and and the article is is these general concepts, but then backed with evidence saying uh, how popular somebody is has no reference to how good of a programmer of they are. I, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Interviewers don't check GitHub profile or github pages or profiles wrong uh some do right two out of 50 it doesn't it doesn't matter it is just one thing that you if you have commits if you contribute to open source there is code that you can share because like you said you are gainfully employed and it's private code you can't share that with somebody that you're interviewing with but, no, but there is the other the end of the spe- the other end of the spectrum, which is that there are people who want to stay in the open source community or work for an open source related company, and they will prune their GitHub profile for that specifically. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's their decision. Yeah, but I, I think this article is talking about people who are in the market looking to get a job and worrying about their GitHub profile, because I've I remember a few years back that worrying about your GitHub profile was something that recruiters told you to do. They told you to, to make sure that your GitHub profile had lots of green and had all of the possible ways of linking to you and had well, examples advice, of your code. I, I, and, and again, maybe that, that's what separates, and, and back to my statement, that's what separates a, a, a skilled person from a not skilled person. And that's why I think people like myself and John grep information from this resource whereas an interviewer who doesn't know how to code wouldn't and it, it would it would probably baffle them and they probably they probably don't look at it so yeah I, that's the difference there yes should everybody use github uh, as a metric as, as any even something that they should take in consideration when onboarding somebody no not everybody should but is there benefit to the skilled people who know how to look for that talent? And, and that's what it is. It's a talent. And not everybody has the ability to spot that talent. If a recruiter is telling the, you that you have to have all this green and all these commits, that's impossible if you're working on a private project. 
So right. uh, that's just a bad recruiter at that point. Well, and there are ethical concerns about that as well. Uh, the article in its second paragraph links to the ethics of unpaid labor and the open source community, which this is, is a, it's a real so it's a real concern. Hear more and more about this too. Yeah, it's I you know that's, that's I I don't get this argument. I've never gotten the argument, and you know uh, there's there's these I, people like positioning oh you know people are exploiting open source developers. I'm like no. Nobody's... Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't think that this is that argument. I think that this is simply an, an open letter bringing up the conversation of the ethics of open source software. Is that, like cloning, we didn't have to think about the ethics of cloning until it started happening or became mainstream. And in the same way, because open source software is in the limelight, these days it powers 99% of the internet, then it is important to at least have the conversation about the ethics of unpaid labor in the open source community, whether or not the person is willingly contributing. It's these kinds of moral conversations are required for a society. Absolutely. What's what's the, what's the question, whether, whether or not we're guilting people into working for free. I mean, what's the whether ethic, or not, what's the whether or not people question? are having heart attacks maintaining open source software? Which it's is not, happening. it's not, it's not. Don't put that on open source software. Don't don't put people who who don't know how how to pace themselves or or who have issue compulsion issues where they can't stop working on something on the fact that it's open source. You have that issue across the board. Open source just makes it visible. It's not a. That's not an open source issue. Open source. No, it's not an open, open source, source issue. Developers it is, always it have is control. An issue, it's not an ethics issue. Sure open it source. Is. All, open source developers always control how much they work. How often do you hear open source developers walking away from projects? It happens all the time. It's not absolutely. It's, it's not an ethics but question. It's not an ethical that's, question. That's a matter. That's a matter of wisdom. If you die before you gain the wisdom to walk away. Then you've died oh, you're, already. You you're, can't... You're, you're you're like saying you're saying you know well let's have an argument about how much a dog barks you know a dog's gonna bark however much <laughs> it's gonna bark it's like it's not it's not a freaking question to ha- to have there's no question there except that there is still the social oh contract. my god you're and, making and... something out of this there's nothing there stop it well you were at, you were saying you don't get why it's an issue and I'm saying I get why it's an issue it needs to be and it I'm needs to be talked letting, about I'm letting you know you're wrong and we don't need to talk about it shut the door your mom and I are sleeping <laughs> uh, Hey don't you guys have a new sponsor for Wave PHP who is that uh, we have two Not since the last time we talked we already talked about oh, them. And we can yeah, talk we about them again. Just, I'm fine. Still just open source mental health and the other one. Phone burner. Yeah. yeah. Open source mental health and phone burner. <laughs> you're not, not picking up what I'm putting down there. No idea what you're talking about. Seeing how open source mental health is open source it's mental health. I, are, you, are you trying to... Aren't, aren't, isn't, what? isn't open source mental health discussing the ethics of these kinds of... No, of not at all. Self- no, not at, not at all. Do you not know what open sourcing mental health is all about? I guess not. <laughs> Moving on. No, you, we got to talk about it. <laughs> there, there is an issue of mental health. I mean, 
in every industry, but within the developer community, it's probably a little more prevalent. And we get a lot of developers that kind of work in their own cocoons and end up developing mental issues. The great folks over at Open Sourcing Mental Illness are trying to bring awareness to it, research, and making material available to people to help them through issues. And as they gather research, they make that data open source to try and just continue to grow the community around it and make everything better. Well, then I suppose that's admirable. Yeah, it's not. You don't have anything to suppose. Like what you it said. Is. It's, it's like it's like it's like whether it's an ethical question. It's not. You don't have to suppose. <clears throat> this is. You, you've known me. You've known me long enough to know that I have to suppose. <laughs> they do great talks. They they go to a lot of conferences, give talks on mental illness, trying to again just raise awareness and let people know that there are other people out there. There's people to talk to. Uh, they're making uh, like. I forget what they're called, quiet rooms or safe rooms where I know personally I go to a conference and oftentimes I'd end up back in my ho- my hotel room just wanting to get away. So now they're, they're trying to make it a little easier for people. Like, hey, if you just want to get away, you don't have to go back to your hotel room, especially if there's the conference isn't in the hotel. It's like you can go to this this space, just get away. So good stuff. It's like an Airbnb for your head. Yes. I would like an Airbnb for my uh, head. Me too. Let's move uh, on. Well, I'm going on vacation soon, so we'll see how miserably that fails. Probably as bad as trying to say it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> You're trying to... You took, that you sentence? Took OSM, as bad as that sentence went? You took OSMI in a completely wrong direction to, to back up your point and failed miserably. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gotta have something funny to talk about. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pimp your television. Yo dog, I heard you like reboots, so we're rebooting your reboot. I don't like reboot. Reboot was awesome. Did, did you not really Yeah, you, I know. You really didn't like reboot? Alright. No, I it's I, I like so the original. You have to boot understand exactly personally. where I was. Those who don't you have to understand know exactly where I was when about. it happened. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, there used to be... When when was this? Oh, hold on. Wait, we have a, we have an issue. Office manager is up and moving. He needs, he needs out. I gotta let the office manager out of the studio. Hold on. Uh, for people listening, if you're not aware, there used to be the television series called Reboot. Um, I don't remember... Do you remember the, the time this was, Thomas? Uh, the original reboot would have been 1996... Maybe six? Really? Oh, I must have watched it, like, in syndication or something, because I, I, I watched it because of the children, you know? I, I wasn't watching it as an adult or anything. I had little kids, and it was on. So, anyhow, there's this, uh, there's this show called Reboot. It was, uh, like, this quirky CGI uh, it, it, computer animated show. It was it was kind of cool, because they they used, like, like the, uh, I forget, the bad guy's name was like Megabyte or something like that. And everybody had like computer names and everything was computer related. And it was cool. It was before the internet was like a popular thing. I think it was even before the 90- internet. It was before the internet. It was 94. So it was actually before oh, wow. AOL got the internet. Hmm. AOL went 
AOL went World Wide Web in 95. I just remember the the, the lady, the the head female role, her, her name was Dot Matrix. Just, that's cool, man. Her name is Dot Matrix. I get it, because the printer, the Dot Matrix. <laughs> that's nice. Well, anyways, Netflix is managing to ruin that for everybody. Netflix is like rebooting every... They're licensing every property they can get a hold of and rebooting it. And they've, they've rebooted this yeah. reboot. Great. And I'm actually not even sure if it's the uh, reboot, if it's supposed to be the same series or not. Because it looked like... It is. Oh, it, it is for sure? It is a spinoff of the original series. It's a song. Called The Guardian Code. So I saw the I saw the the trailer for it, and like they had like some of the characters, like the Megabyte villain was in it, but the people look completely different. Like you said, you mentioned Power Rangers. That's exactly what I thought when I yeah, saw it. Yeah, it's basically what it is. It's it's twenty five year olds acting like they're sixteen year olds and getting superpowers because they found an old computer and, that looks like it's from the future. And and yeah, they can go. You know, it looks like they're like from the trailer. And based on that, it looks like they can just get pulled into this matrix whenever there's a problem and they have to fight the problem and they, they get to go back to their real world and, and be normal people again. So, Yes, I'm sure it will bring some uh, semblance of reality back into the hacking tropes that the media already has. Yeah. I was saying, I didn't get into Reboot because I was in a very, very particular place when it came out. Prison? Is that... What? <laughs> I was I, emotionally. I was too old for a reboot and too young for a reboot. So my mentor, who was twenty-five or thirty years older than me, loved it, and my nerd friends, who were a year or two younger than me, loved it. But I was just too cool for that because I was an actual hacker, and I wasn't going to watch some pretend fake hacking cartoon show. Ah, how'd that work out for you? Did you realize how big of a douche you were? Well, you said prison, so. There you go. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, we got I got. I got to speed through this. I have a talking point that we need to get to before we completely run out of time. Let's do that. I have a main. I have a main story for today, and I was hoping to save some of your your bitterness towards me for this story. Oh, I got plenty, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm gonna, That's I'm an gonna endless get, supply. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to do the quick the quick news breakdown for the week. Um, Implode.io. Have you guys seen I'm this? Not. I clicked on the. If you pull it up, I clicked on the card. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. Pull it up. You'll see it. It looks just like uh, JS Fiddle, something like that, except mm-hmm. that on the left-hand nav, there's a drop-down for framework. What? And you can select between Laravel 5.1 through 5.6. Okay. And you can select your PHP version 7.1 or 7.2. And from here, you can create and save uh, pens, or whatever they call them in this version, that interact with Laravel. So I, I can use like the helpers and everything in here? All the helpers, all the class styles. Uh, you can create an eloquent data, like model and database. You can create blade templates. Oh, that's kind of cool. And... Well, so yeah, this it's is like a, a little full, code snippet sharing thing? Yeah, it's a full instance of a clean Laravel install running as a pen. Oh, that, that's that's pretty cool. I, I wasn't sure what, what 
the significance was when you pointed when I saw the card. I'm like, all right, I don't get this, but now that, now that you explained it, yeah, that that's actually pretty neat. Now, I like this a lot, not because it's particularly useful to me or you or John, but because every time I see good documentation or really good documentation, it points to a code pen where you can test the documentation and screw with it right there as an example. So the examples aren't just copy and paste code. The examples are literally executing code. So this is an incredible tool for if you if you are asked a question on IRC or in our Slack channel, uh, you can dump, you can brain dump an answer out really quick and have it saved as a linkable item. Well, yeah, they and they can roll. take that. You can create, you can create a schema, a model, and code. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty cool. So it's a, it's a very cool little tool. I definitely have to keep it in my head for the next time that this kind of situation comes up. Uh, we'll be bookmarking this one. Uh, the next big news article of the week is password exposed this is a helper function you can install through composer and when you give it a password it will scrub the have i been pwned databases and tell you if that password is a potentially compromised password hmm. so so if, if i'm accepting a password for a user i would scrub it first you would so the way it works is actually secure it hashes the password so that it's not transmitting anything clear text through the line mm-hmm. and uh the have i been pwned people opened up their database in a hashed format so you can search for hashes instead of searching for passwords so that everything is secure sort of end to end and what you would do is you would say that password appears to be easily compromised or has already been compromised in an attack please use a different password hmm. Or you can see if your whole database was somehow pwned and you just didn't know it. Hmm. So, not the most useful little tool, but it's a useful little tool a little bit. Uh, PHP 7.3. Good news. Garbage collection isn't garbage anymore. What do you mean? It turns out that garbage collection in PHP wasn't that great because no one ever cared about it because we didn't usually get into a garbage collection scenario. The way it was all the way up until 7.2 was that if you ran up to 10,000 or so root variables, the garbage collector would trigger, clean up everything that could be cleaned up, and then exit. And the problem with that was that if it cleaned up 50 variables and the other 9,950 were kept, then the next time you hit 10,000 again, it would trigger again. So garbage collecting was occurring in a loop much faster than it was supposed to. Hmm. Um, Not a big problem for most PHP applications, but if we want to move forward with PHP as a language, then we have to do something about it because there are instances where it's going to be a problem. So now... The new garbage collection written by Dmitry Stogov and uh, Nick somebody. <laughs> I don't have that name. The new garbage collection, when it cleans up objects, it increments the next garbage collection cycle to 10,000 plus the amount that weren't cleaned up. So it won't trigger immediately. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. Improvements. 7.3 will be better. Ta-da. 
Finally, the item you've been waiting for. Do you guys know what Geek Squad is? The Best Buy support system or support team? Yeah, so I, I believe it actually ended up being a, a separate corporate entity from Best Buy, but they have a relationship with Best Buy wherein all of their storefronts are inside Best Buy stores. Mm-hmm. Well, there was some information released recently that uh, turns out that Best Buy or, or Geek Squad employees were being paid by the FBI to find incriminating information on computers that were brought in for repairs. So not just that if they ran across something potentially questionable, but to actually seek out something questionable Hmm. on machines that they were given. All they ever did was find porn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, porn that could put people in jail, Mm -hmm. which it did. Um, And it looks like the person who found it was given $500 for finding it. Oh, really? Do you think Geek Geek Squad is the only people that, like, you don't think Apple does this or anybody else you think is just the uh, Geek Squad? I very firmly believe that Apple does not do this. Uh, Apple takes security very, very, very seriously. It's the one redeeming thing about Apple as a corporation. Um, Uh, Apple was a a bad example because, again, they stood up against against the the FBI actually specifically when they wanted them to unlock or put in a back door to the iPhones. I'm saying in general, do you think Geek Squad, they're the only people doing this, or do you think the FBI has persuaded other groups to do this are there other groups your local your local computer bob's computer repair guy so i think i think your local computer repair guy is too just, small of a just say no the FBI if, to... if you think the answer no, is no say no, no. no say I don't. this was a geek squad thing that's all i'm asking you it's a geek it's only a geek squad thing <laughs> uh I'm not well, surprised. I, I, I've never been a fan of Geek Squad. I, 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 I've always questioned their value, their ethics. Um, yeah, I, I've never been a fan. Their of value it. to me has always been great this is, because this I can send crazy. my relatives to Geek Squad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And not having to fix computers anymore pays for itself. That's true, but yeah. I mean, you could yeah. send but, it to the Bob's local repair shop too. It's just easy. It's just yeah, easy I mean, it was to just, say, take it to a Geek Squad. Yeah, it was. It's really easy to say. Do you know where Best Buy is? Yeah, unplug your computer and take it to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently, when you do that, they often ship the computer out to a sort of a central uh, <clears throat> facility in Kentucky, and that's where the FBI has their operatives. So it's not just the guys. It's not the guys standing at the desk at Best Buy. These are the the technicians who work the repair line Mm -hmm. and because of that they've managed to uh keep what they're doing secret so the fbi had a meeting with these employees in kentucky and said when you file these kinds of concerns uh here's how you do it because we don't want your name showing up in some documentation about finding something illicit so you're going to file it through this system, which 
guarantees an anonymity, but still gets you that five hundred dollar paycheck. That, that's scary because it would be so easy to to plant something yeah. to get that five hundred bucks. Not yeah, not just so easy, but the easiest. Yeah. I mean, for them, for them to just say, "Here's a citizen in charge of monitoring for illicit content." And to be fair here, what we're talking about is child pornography, so it's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's awful stuff, but they're, the FBI is paying for civilians to invade your privacy, whether or not they find something incriminating. And then, if they find something incriminating, because it's a confidential informant that found it, then it goes just as verbote. Yeah, it's yours. It was on your computer. Why was it on your computer? You say, well, I sent it to Geek Squad. And they say, yeah, we know those guys. They're all good. And, the the big question for me is that this circumvents the Fourth Amendment. For for the FBI to do what they're telling a civilian enterprise to do, they would have to acquire a warrant. And on top of that, when they do get information from a, a, a Best Buy employee saying, yeah, there's porn on here, then they still have to get a warrant, but they use that informant's information to get the warrant, which seems like jumping straight through a loophole in the Fourth Amendment of unlawful search and seizure. Doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a loophole. For sure. And then and then to compensate an informant for finding something promotes false positives. It promotes them well, to find something I, where something again, doesn't that's exist. A, that's an ethical question that can be asked across the board with law enforcement. You've already and, said ethical questions aren't real. It, I don't... <laughs> I don't think I said that, but I'm pretty uh, sure that's what you said. But uh, yeah, and and that that is definitely that's definitely something that comes up. You know, when law enforcement pays informants, it's kind of promoting the informant to, to find something wrong. So yeah, that's it, it, that's not specific to this case at all. And and you know, seeing how ethics seems to be a big topic in today's show, I mean, it you know it's. It is an ethical dilemma. Um, you know, if you have that 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 chokehold of this organization that manages to repair a ton of computers, you know, and there's something as serious as child pornography that you they they can help reduce that. You know, it, it's hard not to say, yes, help us, help us find help us find these people who use child child pornography. Along the same manner, you know, and we've talked about this in the past, I give my computer to, to Apple. I'm trusting Apple isn't doing anything but what is necessary to repair my computer. They're not going through my hard drive. They're not looking at stuff that they have no business looking at. So, you know, what do we do here? I mean, do we, as consumers, do, do we use the power of our dollar and say, Hey, we we found out about this. We're not using your service anymore across the board, and 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 have them disperse that way. That doesn't correct the problem. The FBI will just go to the next organization. Do we look at a way to plug that loophole where where this is you know this becomes evidence that's inadmissible if it's if it's kind of gathered that way? But then you jeopardize other cases that do get evidence correctly, and and you know whether or not that stuff is questionable. And this is something that 
you know, again, like we talked last week, a couple of level-headed people need to sit down and have a conversation about and see how we fix this. It's like, yes, it's definitely not us. But is is, is the there, FBI? Is there a level of offense, child pornography being one of the highest up there, where operating systems like Microsoft or Apple could be looking at your screen, and if they see that kind of stuff, have it automatically report. Yeah, I mean, with AI, what it's becoming, right? So let me let me throw another wrench into the conversation and say, how do you think that they found these files? Just, like, browsing the hard drive? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure the, re- the relevance of it would be, but I sure, browsing the hard drive, I guess. In this... In this instance, in the instance of the man who was convicted for child pornography, the data in question was in an unallocated partition. It was in the unallocated space between his partitions, Mm -hmm. which required forensic software to access, which is not part of the Geek Squad toolkit. You are not supposed to be digging around unallocated space in a hard drive to fix a broken motherboard. So... Mm -hmm. It's clear so, that you know, every again, computer if, that if, comes if, in... If that guy's lawyer is any good, he should be able to use that information. I mean... Unfortunately, the documents that were reviewed were not used in the case and therefore not part of the process of I, discovery. You know, you so he wasn't even you aware. That, you say that every week. and I still don't understand how that happens. How, how, how is there evidence that's gathered that, that's used to prosecute somebody that then becomes undiscoverable? By by the by, it, by the defense, because you, it wasn't used. It wasn't used in the case against the person. No, it was used. I, I don't in know the, the case. I don't know if you're jailing. blowing smoke up my ass or not. But it's, I'm not. It's just I, I I find that one hard. I I really find that to be very difficult to to, to digest. Because regardless of whether it was it was uh, it, part of of what was submitted or not, the defense attorney speaking to his his client should know that hey there was no way they could have they could have found that stuff there's no way they could have stumbled upon that and he should have been able to probe to find that information out so but again i don't want to get hung up on this one case of this one particular person who happened to do it this one way i'm more concerned about the general arching topic that that you put up which i think is a very real issue that people need to be concerned about you know you can't and, and and it comes it even comes back on cases like you know parents who who have pictures of their children in the bathtub and how that gets interpreted and who interprets it you know as who interprets that as child porn now, who interprets I, it as I agree with you there family family pictures mm-hmm. I I 100% agree with you there but I think that it's a bad example I think the better example nowadays is 18 year old boys going to prison for having pictures of their 17-year-old girlfriends, which is frequently happening in the United States right now, that there are 18-year-old boys being convicted of child pornography for having naked pictures sent to them by their girlfriends. I'm not going down, and, that, and, road. And even, I'm not going down that road with you. <laughs> even beyond yeah. that, there's a case where a 16-year-old boy was convicted of having child pornography of himself. Okay, again, not going down that road with you. I, it's not a topic I, I I care to talk about. So fair enough. Yeah. So this is all through the work of the EFF filing 
uh, Freedom of Information Act disclosures to the FBI. Um, and it looks like the FBI did the bare, bare minimum. Uh, there are thousands of documents available, but the FBI only produced, I think, in the area of 20 documents total and has declined to say that they have a similar relationship with any other uh, repair facilities or business. I would really confirming nor denying that we do. Yeah. The question is, can your ISP do this? Right. Exactly. I mean, where does it stop, right? right? Yeah. It's 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 a mess. I mean, this is to me, this is a huge violation of privacy. Yes, it caught a very bad guy, but there are thousands and thousands of computers going through that facility, and anything that you thought was private on that computer is not. Somebody saw it. Mm-hmm. Somebody went through every picture in your pictures folder after fixing your computer. And it's scary because, I mean, just as simple as your phone, most people, I mean, if you put Facebook on there and just say, yeah, you have access to my photos, not thinking, you know, six months down the road, what is going to happen with that? And how often do you go to Facebook and says, hey, only you can see this picture. Do you want to do something with it? But that means they can see the picture to process it in some way yeah and do you trust that they're gonna they're gonna follow the rules of the checkbox they present you Mm, oh i got some really interesting pictures of john i haven't used yet i'm i'm holding on to those there's there's some good (laughs) pictures you got a few (laughs) the sad part is that's true (laughs) i didn't doubt him for one second (laughs) i still don't know why i sent that to you Okay, now you're going to have to send it to me, Eric. <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything. If he knows what's best for him, he won't. <laughs> All right, Eric, you've got you've got one last article. You want to close this out? Oh yeah, we can. You want to do the Twitter one? You want to talk about the Twitter one? Everybody... I feel like ending on ending on child pornography is probably bad for the show's metrics. <laughs> you think that's bad karma? <laughs> but yeah, just generally. Uh-huh. Um. So if you're a Twitter user, you know that certain higher up people on Twitter get these little verified uh, uh, badges added to their account. And that that's supposed to validate that this is actually and it's very common with actors and politicians. And they, they've been they've actually been getting a little bit more generous with who they verify. I, I think like Jeffrey, maybe it's Jeffrey way who's verified now, or I forget who it was. Uh, Je- Jeffrey and Taylor both are well, it's uh, two for one deal when you verify them. Yeah. Uh, and, and to be full disclosure, I, I applied to be verified too, because to me it made sense um, as you know, a person who's putting comments out on the internet. I want to, I want to make sure that people you know that that I'm standing behind those comments. That that's really me. I you know, there's no question it's me. I'm making these comments, and I also use Twitter to verify my identity on other platforms. Um, and and Keybase kind of does uh, a similar thing where you can actually verify your existence, like you're you're the Twitter owner by posting a specific string to your t- Twitter stream. And Keybase will kind of verify you on their platform, but you're still not verified on Twitter. Well, t- 
Twitter's hinting around now that they're going to make it so that every everybody can kind of verify themselves, and that everybody you, you can you you can all make your accounts verified on some level. And uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool if depends if, on how they're doing it. I mean, if it's yeah, like that's the big thing. If everyone's verified, then what's the point See, of being verified? Yeah. Here's the weird thing to me. So they didn't mention the blockchain at all when they brought this up. Uh, why would they mention blockchain? Why would you not when you're verifying? Yeah, if you're going to verify people <laughs> and you have how does a, a, how does a blockchain a verify stock, you? Huh? Because it's a it's a public ledger that doesn't verify yeah, you. Verified. It's just a record. How, how does it verify you? A, a blockchain doesn't verify you. Yes, it does. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yes, it does, and I'm done. <laughs> don't, 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 I don't want to talk don't, about this. Thomas is getting tired of our little, our little battles. Don't shut up. This, I'm this tired of losing to you, Eric. We, it makes me weary. I don't lose to Eric. I lose to John. Lose to me. I don't say anything. Eric talks for 10 minutes. No, Eric talks for 10 minutes, and John goes, yeah, Eric's right, and I've lost. <laughs> Oh, you've caught on to that. The episodes, the episodes where it's just me and Eric, have a completely different dynamic. <laughs> you you win all those arguments. Yeah, no, you. I I have to go through when I'm editing. I have to go through your feed and mute every time that you type, and half the time that you agree with Eric. <laughs> I don't. I, I never type. Oh my god, you have no idea. Apparently. <laughs> You type so much while we're on the air. I do not. You're crazy. And you, you have your you have your you have your microphone mounted to your keyboard somehow too, so that every keystroke makes this like. It, it's not better with the the shock mount. Not in the slightest. That was just the loudest thing this podcast has had so far, including the clap check at the beginning. <laughs> uh, right. I think we're done. We're an hour and fifteen minutes. We're into wrapping this up. Thing. It's so just a disaster of an episode. <laughs> next next week we have ninety nine problems and a podcast will be won. <laughs> and doesn't that just make it a hundred problems? Mm, good point. Thomas right. is right. Hey, Thomas is right this time. Hey guys, we what? have a subreddit. We have a subreddit. I need to bring that up because <clears throat> I haven't brought it up in a while, and no one goes to our subreddit and upvotes anything. Or comments on anything, or as far as I can tell, looks. So it's just like listeners of the podcast. <laughs> how do you read it? I don't know how to read it. All right. It's you, been a great episode, guys. What is Reddit? Reddit slash r slash php ugly. Reddit slash r yeah, slash php ugly. Huh. R is for subreddit. U is for user. Oh, why really? Why wouldn't it be s for subreddit? That's a good question. I don't know, because... Watch the movie. What? I'm sure it gets talked about. What movie? The Internet's Only Boy. Oh. Uh, you told me to watch people that like, six are, episodes. Are voting on, I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing 20, 19, 18, 17, 13. I'm seeing a lot of votes on some of these. They're all Thomas, yeah, though. He goes and creates different accounts so he can vote. Oh, uh, a bunch of <laughs> <different> <laughs> Shh. He's paying a sweatshop over in Asia to come in and vote. Where are vote you seeing things? this? I see one or two. On my screen, nice. He, he's on the he's on the Reddit homepage. Yeah, you're looking at somebody else's. Oh, no, thing. This 
Here, I'll, I'll take a screenshot for you. Here. No, our top of all time, our top upvoted thing of all time was four upvotes, and it was a picture of your phone with the PHP Ugly sticker on it. My phone? My PHP Ugly? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, T-Red 27. Oh, right, because he's cool, man. Here, I'll, I'll paste it. I'll, I'll paste this in here. That's what I'm seeing. Like, aren't the numbers on the left hand? S- oh, or is, is that just the number of articles? Oh, that that explains it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, look, the voting goes up. It's they vote one. Thomas, like, I agree with Eric this time. Three votes. <laughs> <laughs> We're the most popular subreddit on Reddit. Uh, how how do you sort by uh by votes then? You, you said you you're able to see our most popular. Yeah, there's a dialogue at the top that says top. Oh, that's funny. And then there's a drop down that says all time. All right, we were wrapping this up so five minutes ago, and we still haven't done so. Yeah, we are. Okay, guys, this has been another fantastic episode of PHP. You, you, you didn't sound convinced on that one. Try it again. Episode ninety-eight. Uh, correct. Episode ninety-eight. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Congdon. I'm Eric Payne Johnson. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. I hate you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.